Good morning, everybody. I want to offer a special thanks to the children of First Nursery for singing and offering their voices and helping us continue to prepare for the coming of Christ and celebrating his birthday together as Christmas comes upon us. As we continue this morning, let me invite us to share together in a word of prayer. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story goes like this. There was a time when all the angels gathered together around the throne in heaven for a discussion. Things were a mess down on earth. What else is new? The creator had become concerned about the state of creation. There were wars, fighting, famine, bloodshed all over. I've tried everything, God complained. I've spoken to them some of the most beautiful words they could ever hope to hear. Think of the glorious Psalms, the hymns, the poetic passages in Isaiah. They love to read about peace and goodwill, but they do not like to live like it. God continued. Then I sent them the prophets. They love Isaiah, the promises of release from their sufferings, freedom from exile. But do they follow the precepts of the prophets about justice and righteousness rolling down like waters? Never. There was widespread discussion on the sad state of affairs on earth. Many of the angels, Gabriel, Michael, and others, they had been to earth on occasion. They had seen for themselves the sources of God's lament, and they shared God's concern. Finally, God said, I think there's only one thing left to do, and that is for you, a member of the heavenly court, to go down there and live with them. Not just for a moment, but every day. Get to know them. Become one of them. Live with them. Let them get to know you. Only then will heaven's intent be truly communicated to them. Only then will they take notice of the great gap between how they've been living and how they were created. Only then will we be able to reveal to them who I created them to be. The angels stood in awkward silence. They had been to earth before to deliver messages from God to momentarily intervene in different situations and different human affairs. They were not about to volunteer for long-term duty in such a murderous, hostile, difficult place. The silence lasted for an eternity. Finally, God broke the silence, quietly, determinedly, but without resignation and no bitterness, God said, then I will go so that earth could receive her king. Consider this story a possible prelude to what we hear this morning in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Sometimes we need preludes. Sometimes we need previews. 
While I realize we still have a few more days before Christmas actually arrives, the scripture that we hear today serves as a preview of the good news of great joy that is coming our way in the birth of Christ. We still need to hear that earth receives her king, as told to us in today's scripture account. It has been a hard year. It has been a hard month. It's been a hard week. So much of what we consider normal for Christmas has been upended with COVID. Many of us feel like we're at the end of our rope, frustrated, weary. That many of our beloved traditions and normal ways of doing things, even celebrating various holiday celebrations, have been taken away or altered in some way. But, 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 in the midst of it all, do not forget the words from the angel that we hear this morning. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we hear these powerful words. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God came intentionally into our mess, into our chaos, into our weariness as a tiny baby boy, and God comes now intentionally into our mess, into our chaos, into our weariness. This truth, this fundamental reality, allows us then to have joy even in the most difficult, frustrating, or exhausting of circumstances. These are more than words of hope that I'm offering to us today. The description given by the angel of the Lord declares reality, declares truth, declares a genuine reason for joy. This is not wishful thinking on my part. This is not grand rhetoric. It is not fanciful dreams that I'm offering. This is reality as shared with us in scripture this morning. And today I invite us to look upon this reality this truth, and receive the joy that comes with it. Christ truly is among us, even in the darkest times, even in weary or trying times. May that reality give all of us today a perspective of joy. We may not feel joyful, but we can have joy and we can have the perspective of joy through which to view the world. The truth is this. Jesus himself came in less than ideal times and conditions. And if ever there was a year when there was less than ideal conditions, certainly it is this year. And as frustrating as that can be, maybe, just maybe, this can also be an opportunity to have other distractions wiped away, leaving us with a newfound openness to the presence of Christ among us. And maybe this year, even in the midst of so many changes and losses, maybe we can see the baby Jesus with fresh eyes and newfound appreciation. Because when we really see the Christ child, when we really experience the Christ child, what's the result? We're told today, Luke chapter 2, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What is the result? Glorifying, praising, joy. And it's all happening in less than ideal circumstances. 
realize the shepherds are still shepherds. After meeting Jesus, they remain shepherds. They're not suddenly rich. They're not suddenly wealthy. They're not suddenly living in the lap of luxury. Life is not suddenly perfect because they've encountered the baby Jesus. But they could still experience joy in the midst of their circumstances because they had chosen to intentionally look upon the Christ child. They had chosen to make the effort to look upon the Christ child. And that decision allowed them to have the perspective of joy. The effort to go and find the Christ child changed how they were viewing the world to allow them to experience joy. It goes without saying that God is amazing. God is miraculous. But one of God's greatest miracles just might be God's ability to bring goodness and joy in even the most sad and difficult of circumstances. Have you ever noticed how sometimes somebody who seems to be in a really dark place, a really lowly place, somebody who might even have the, the odds of the world stacked against them, have you ever noticed how sometimes those people still find joy and peace, even when the circumstances of life are so incredibly hard? A while back, an acquaintance of mine shared this story. Shane Sanford was born a hemophiliac means his own blood would not clot. He needed infusions of blood from others in order to continue to live. This was happening in the 1980s. One day he discovered he was not feeling so well. He then found out that he was sick. He found out that as a 16-year-old, through a blood transfusion, he had been given a virus. He had been given AIDS. He was 16 years old. It was a lonely, dark, hard place to be. He was already physically compromised, and now he's being made even more sick through no fault of his own. And yet his grandfather came to him and said to him, Shane, if anybody has a right to get in a corner and have a pity party, it's you. And Shane, if you want me to, I will get in that corner with you and cry. But I know you, Shane. And I think you will make another choice. I think you will choose to make the most of every day. And I think you will choose to say, today I will live with hope. And I wanna make the most of this day. Thanks to the encouragement of his grandfather, Shane's perspective was able to change. In fact, eventually he wrote a book entitled, Making Life Matter embracing the joy in the everyday. He chose a perspective of joy and hope even in dark and difficult circumstances, and he's actually been doing it every day since then. Today, Shane is a United Methodist pastor. Today, he shares the good news and the joy of Jesus Christ on a regular basis, and God uses Shane in the furthering of God's kingdom. Today, Shane shares the joy of Christ day in and day out with all that he can. My favorite part of that story is a part that might be easy to overlook. It's when Shane's grandfather comes and says to him, you know what, Shane, I'll get right there in the corner with you. I'll get right there in the mess, the chaos, the sadness, the weariness with you. I'll even cry with you if you want me to. The grandfather was willing to do anything to help Shane through his grief and through his pain. The grandfather was willing to even meet Shane right where he was in the messiness. 
sounds to me an awful lot like Jesus coming, being born into our world, our messiness, our weariness. And it was the presence of the grandfather that allowed Shane's perspective to change in the less than ideal circumstances he was in. It's what allows Shane today to proclaim Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Shane, like the angels, proclaims the joy of Christ. At Christmas, for the shepherds, for us, Jesus gets right into our circumstances, right here, right now, in this COVID reality, comes right here among us, which allows us to have a different perspective than the rest of the world. We can then have a perspective of joy no matter what. This is not a matter of us you know, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's not a matter of us doing the impossible. It's not a matter of us being a hero of sorts. Maybe we don't even feel very joyful because of all the losses that we've had in this season. Jesus is not coming to us today saying, buck up and try harder. Instead, it's a matter of recognizing that Jesus joins us here in our mess. And Jesus then allows us to focus on him as the source of joy and not the circumstances around the joy. Not only does Jesus come to us in difficult times, Jesus seems to do some of his very best work in the most difficult of times. Oftentimes when things are the darkest, the light of Christ can shine the brightest. As the heavenly court in the opening story reminds us this morning, earth is not always a picnic. There's a reason they did not want to come to earth. And yet, if you were going to be a divine being, as the Son of God is, and God was going to send you to earth, surely if God is going to do that, if God is going to send, this to send his son to this less than ideal place, why would God have done it the way Luke chapter 2 describes? There's a part of me that's like, surely, God, you could have come up with a better plan than this. Because Jesus would be born on earth, not to the royalty of an earthly king, but to Joseph, Joseph, Joseph's a carpenter. He's, a, he's an everyday kind of guy. Now it's interesting that Joseph so often is described as a carpenter. There were not a lot of trees around at that time in order to be a carpenter as you and I often think about it. The more accurate translation, Joseph is what would be called a tecton. It's more like a handyman of sorts. He made things like yokes for oxen and handles for everyday use. It would have been a very honest, but a very modest kind of living. Joseph would be Jesus's earthly father. Is it any mistake then that years later that Jesus in his own teachings would share images of what he grew up with in his own childhood so that eventually he would come to share things like this in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm sure Jesus shared things like that because he had these images of having grown up watching Joseph make yokes and other things. Jesus is reminding us that weariness will never have the final word. And Jesus knew that firsthand. 
So just as Jesus would not be born to an earthly king, he also wasn't going to be born into a mansion or a palace. At the time, Joseph most likely would have lived in a peasant home. That means primarily one house room with one other side room. People would build their homes that way, or a lot of times people would build their home on top of a cave because then they could bring their animals in overnight and keep them safe and keep them close. And it would allow a little bit of heat from the gathered animals to rise up to them living above them. So when we hear in Luke's account this morning that there was no room for them at the inn, the term inn is really a mistranslation. There were no inns at that time. A better translation would be guest room, which would mean somewhere in the basement among the animals where the animals slept. What this means is that for Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus to stay in the guest room would have meant go downstairs, clean out the stalls where the animals are being kept and find a space. This is a far, far cry from the palace of Emperor Augustus, who was human royalty and where he lived. And again, it should make us stop and ask, really God, is this the best you can do? But God didn't even stop there. Exactly what was Jesus born into? Luke tells us not once, not twice, three times in this account, as if he doesn't want us to miss the point from Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20, that Jesus is born into a manger, not a crib, not a bed, a manger, meaning stone, meaning feeding trough, meaning the place where the animals ate their food. Now, human leftovers on dishes are messy. Just ask my kids. It's one of the things that grosses them out the most is having to do the dishes and clean up the plates when we're done eating. Imagine how much more messy it would have been for all the animals in their eating. This is what Jesus is born into, a manger. Wouldn't you think that the God who controls all could have found a wealthy family to take care of Jesus? But that didn't happen. And since it didn't happen, but it could have, it at least makes me ask the question, Lord, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you create a different way, by our definition, a better way for Jesus to be born into? And we don't know the exact answer to that question, but here's my hunch. I think maybe this is God's way of saying to you and to me, don't fall for the trap. Joy is not found in your social class, or in your ideal circumstances, but in me. Your joy is not dependent on what's going on around you, no matter how good you have it or how bad you have it. True joy is found with a perspective focused on me. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever lose that. And Jesus shows us that in scripture this morning by being born into a less than ideal place in less than ideal circumstances. And when we realize that, and when we gain that perspective of joy, it means we can have joy no matter what. Because wherever Jesus is, no matter how ugly, no matter how broken, no matter how tiring, we can know this, joy is present. May that truth be realized by us this year in a trying time, in a wearying time, in less than ideal conditions. A few weeks ago, our family got our Christmas tree for the year. And I learned now a number of years ago to quit expecting that when we go looking for our Christmas tree, that it's going to be some kind of magical experience or that everyone will be in a good mood 
or that everyone will even contribute to the conversation that day, or that there's not going to be any disagreement among which tree we should buy. I learned many years ago that most of the time when we go looking for a tree, it's going to be freezing. It's going to be difficult to find just the right tree because we're probably not all going to agree on it. And it's absolutely not going to be a Hallmark Christmas movie moment. So I can tell you this morning that, that this year was no different in that regard. We lived up to those expectations I just outlined for you. It was a cold day when we went, so we were all freezing to begin with. And this year, for some reason, my boys, both 16 by the way, decided to bring a tennis ball with them on our journey to look for a tree. Why a tennis ball to throw at each other? I have no idea, but that's what they chose to do. So we went to a place we had never gone before. We're in an unfamiliar place. It's cold and it involves somewhat of a hike to find the tree that we were looking for or to find the right tree. So get this in your mind, unfamiliar, cold, boys throwing a tennis ball around, hitting each other with a tennis ball, not knowing what tree we wanna get. Can you just feel the Christmas spirit in that? <laughs> and as usual, when we're walking around, we don't know what tree we want. We're all kind of looking for one and trying to figure out, because Alex and I, we tend to like the biggest tree that you can find, but it still technically fits into our house. And Jen wants the tree that is the easiest to decorate, and the boys pick whatever the rest of us have not picked. So there we are, traipsing around in the cold, looking for just the right Christmas tree, throwing a tennis ball, losing a tennis ball, and all of a sudden we came upon a rather lonely, kind of scrawny tree even had a few bare patches within it. And it had this really, really long top on, just one branch coming out the top, shooting straight up. And we all looked at that tree and we were about to keep going when Alex just busted out laughing. And we asked her, what is so funny? And she said, I can just picture that tree in our house with that long top and trying to decorate it. It would be so funny. And there, in that Christmas tree field, we all suddenly agreed. A tree unlike any we'd ever had before. It seemed like a good tree to get in a year unlike any we've had before. Now, as you look at some of these pictures, it may not be the easiest to tell from them, but there's this long top that's kind of just sticking up by itself. And there's at least one patch you can fairly easily see. And there are other patches around the tree. Not the most ideal of trees, but suddenly for us, we fell in love with this tree, this most unlikely of trees, this, some would say, ugly tree, that suddenly for us became the most beautiful of trees, one inspiring much joy. Why? Because there was a significant change of heart. And suddenly we all started laughing about it and got on the same page and enjoyed it together. In fact, it brought so much joy uh, that Zach was bound to determine he, he decided he could carry the whole thing by himself. And so he decided to do that. And the rest of us began laughing and taking some silly pictures together. Our entire perspective changed. But here's what's interesting. The circumstances never changed. Still cold, still a relatively ugly tree. The circumstances were not ideal, but our perspective changed. We could suddenly see what we could not see before. This Christmas, may we see the one who comes 
Christ the Lord. May we see the one born among us and may our focus be on him and not the circumstances of COVID or anything else going on in our world. I would venture to guess that those shepherds on that first night could hardly believe when the angel spoke to them because God didn't speak to people like them. Shepherds were considered unclean and unable to fulfill the law and the rituals because of their occupation. Surely it would have been considered foolish, maybe even dangerous for them to then move their flocks at night to go and check out this Christ child who'd been born. And yet we're told they hurried off to Bethlehem after the angels appeared. Why? So that they could look upon the Christ child. Luke makes it very intentional or very clear here this morning that the shepherds intentionally made an effort to go and look upon the Christ child who would then give them joy. They intentionally traveled to look on that one who had been born. And that night, even though their circumstances did not change, their perspective did. After looking on the Christ child, they could have a perspective of joy. And we know that because of what Luke tells us in chapter two, verses 16 and on. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It was still dark that night. They were still shepherds, but now the joy of the Lord shone brightly in their midst. Church, I realize life is difficult right now. I realize life is hard right now, but God will get us through this. I promise. And do you know how I know? Because he's already come into the mess and the darkness and the weariness with us through this Christ child born among us. Please do not let the circumstances of this week or the last number of months dampen that joy. Don't let different worship experiences or different worship expectations or different family celebrations dampen the joy that Christ offers to us. May we too seek out the Christ child that our perspective may change, just like the shepherds. Let us, like the shepherds, focus on the source of the joy and not those circumstances around it. And let us choose to make an intentional effort this Christmas to look on the Christ child and not everything else that's going on. And if we do, we too will find a different perspective because Christ comes no matter what, no matter how dark, no matter how different, Christ comes. I'm not a very good photographer. I rarely even take pictures. But the other night, Zach and I were taking a drive and it was dark and we came upon a house that had this in its front yard. And I just had to stop and take a picture because in the darkness, the light of the joy looked so beautiful. The joy stood in stark contrast to the darkness around it. It was beautiful and wonderful and joyful. And I just wanted to capture that moment. May we look upon and receive the joy of Christ this day and let us like the shepherds and the angels rejoice as we discover it. May our perspective change as we receive the King.
the Christ child, the one born among us. May it be a joyful, joyful Christmas for us all. Amen.